We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Rippy Writes with Brian Scott Rippy. Transcript can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What's up on a Monday? I'm Brian Scott Rippey. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippy Rights Podcast. It is our Sunday baseball conversation with Colin Brister. It lives on, despite this team looking dead uh, two, three weeks ago. The Sunday baseball conversation lives on. Ole Miss sweeps LSU. They're squarely back in the NCAA tournament mix and have changed the course of their season in a matter of about nine days, as the Rebels are now winners of seven in a row in six straight SEC games. We got into a lot of that the weekend that was why this offense looks different or why this team looks different as a whole, um, how they fit into a regional with the starting pitching they've cultivated, and a number of different topics, including what they need to do to get in, the very outside shot of hosting, um, which we made clear we talked about it probably for too long, but we both definitely believe that is an outside, outside shot. But I thought the conversation was certainly worth having as well as the midweek game against Arkansas State, which by the time I released this, I cut this up around lunch right on Monday, right after they announced it. Ole Miss has canceled that game with Arkansas State. I think Colin and I actually both agreed they would end up playing it. But uh, I don't think that really changes much. We had the debate of why you should, shouldn't play it from an RPI standpoint. So a whole lot of that and then more more from a huge, huge baseball weekend for Ole Miss. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and get to it. But before we get to that, I want to remind you the podcast is brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, glad you asked. So the world's best gambling handicapping website, the inventors of the Skybox Matrix Interval, an advanced modeling mechanism that has helped propel t- Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry. If you're into wagering, you need to check these guys out. They're the professionals. They're going to lead you to profit more consistently than your own brain. You don't want the man texting you on Sunday night, Monday morning, adding to the scares. You want to be texting the bookie asking where your supplementary income is coming from. Skybox is going to help you do that. Whether it's NBA playoffs going, the NASCAR guys are crushing it, maybe give it a little test shot before football season gets cranked up here before you know it. Skybox has a picks package that's going to fit your price range, whether that's month long, season long, try it for a week, try it for two weeks, a month, all sports. You can even try just a daily pass if you want to. They're going to have something that fits your price range. Go on the site, find a picks package, and start making money. When you pick a picks package on the site, use the promo code RIPPY, R-I-P-P-E-E, and that'll get you 20% off any purchase you make there as uh, you continue to make money with Skybox Sports Picks. Check them out. 
Podcast is also brought to you by LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Go see Greg. If you're a Rippy Rights subscriber, that's rippyrights.substack.com. You get a free newsletter from me a couple times a week, writing the Monday one right now, and discounted meats. Right now, it's a 16-ounce prime strip for 20 bucks and a $5 pack of sausage. That's a hell of a way to kickstart your grilling weekend. It's getting hot. It's almost summer peak grilling season. Greg wants to make your grilling experience great. Oxford is so lucky to have a place like LB's. He has all kinds of delicious cuts in there, fresh sausage, seafood, awesome sides a night a dinner at lb's lunch at lb's a day spent on the grill with some lb's on the grill is an absolutely terrific way to spend a day go find your own favorites in there absolutely the best place in mississippi to get meat lb's university avenue in oxford all right here is colin brister on Ole miss's sweep of lsu where they stand in the ncaa tournament picture rpi midweeks and a whole lot more All right, we now welcome on Rippy Wright's baseball correspondent, Colin Brister. Wow, a lot to discuss this weekend. Not even, uh, not even positive where to start, man. Uh, this team's fine. Yeah, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you back in time 10 weeks ago, right? Like when Ole Miss gets through with Oral Roberts, they're ranked number one in the country, okay? They're heading to Auburn, Alabama, and I tell you, hey, Ole Miss is going to go 7-2, and two on Fridays through their first nine. Their Friday night starter is going to have a 2.59 ERA as a starter. And their Saturday guy in SEC play is going to have a 2.61 ERA as a starter in SEC play. I would like you to guess the Rebels' record through the first 27 games, knowing that information. What would you have said? So that's – first of all, I was joking when I said that team was fine. I didn't even get a chuckle out of you. You were just ready to get right into it. Uh, what a weird season. But I, anyway, so staying with it, um, so 7-2, and two, read me the – On Fridays. Take, take me through the other part again. All right, all right. Their Friday night starter in his starts in SEC play has a 2.59 ERA, and the Saturday guy in his starts in SEC play has a 2.61 ERA. Also – they're going to go nine and six on the road and sweep in Alex box. What would you guess their record would, would be through 27 games? I mean, I hate to get ridiculous, but I'm 21 and on nine, 20 and 10. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's so it was 13 and 14. They swept in Alex box went nine and six on the road at SEC play. It found a really good, and Saturday guy, and somehow they're 13 and 14 in the league. I hate the sport sometimes. And the only two Friday night games they have not won were or game ones, whatever you want to call them. People get the picture on this podcast at this point are the two weekends they've been swept, correct? That was when they were swept by Tennessee and Alabama. That is correct. Alabama. That is, that is correct. So. And who did not pitch in either one of those? Who did not start? Uh, well, in yeah, yeah, I was going to say, he actually pitched them both. Um, th- that'd be Dylan Belusha. Um, but you know what? I, I think sometimes we get accused of never saying we were wrong. Um, I, I will, we were wrong. It, it, no, so we do a lot, of, a lot of things when we talk about Mike Bianco's sample size, right, where it's like, hey, there's enough of 22 years that, that he, he's, he's going to, you know, maybe not get it done in the postseason or maybe, you know, whatever. There was enough sample size for us probably to look at this team and go, hey, he's probably going to figure it out to the point that they're not going to be an embarrassment. Um, and credit to him, he did. I, I, you know, 
if it, it kind of works both ways. If you're going to sit there and say, hey, you can't get it done in the postseason, and that's the sample over 22 years, you probably also got to look at this season and say, hey, at some point they're probably going to turn it around and not be a national embarrassment. Um, and I, I didn't think that. I thought they were – I thought this was a 10-20 and 20 baseball team two and three weeks ago. Um, but to Mike's everlasting credit, he does not produce disasters as a baseball coach. Yeah, and it's like, look, we were wrong on uh, many different things. About <laughs> I mean, look, whether it was the offense for two and a half months, whether it was who we thought would be in the rotation. I mean, I don't think anyone uh, had a, a Delusia Elliott diamond rotation at any point this season. Like, we've been wrong about a lot of it. I don't necessarily sure we were wrong about, like, it looking and feeling like a disaster at the point that, you know, when they were 7-14, and 14, or really, honest to God, I mean, it started with the South Carolina series. When they dropped out, and I was like, all right, this, this could really get disastrous for them. Um, so I don't necessarily think we were, like, wrong about that part of it. I'm just more amazed that it's turned around this quickly. Um, and, of course, like, we're burying the lead here. Ole Miss goes on the road and sweeps LSU this weekend in Alex Box. The Rebels are now 13-14 and 14 in SEC play. What was that? Um That'd be nine days ago, 10 probably, as most people are listening to this podcast. Um, we're 7-14 and 14 with not only, like, no hope, but really no life to them at all. And all of a sudden, you know, they have one good weekend against one of the worst teams in the uh, Southeastern Conference, and now they've looked like a different team since. And you and I were on this on Thursday night, uh, as we, or I guess we recorded that on Wednesday night, but whatever, after the Southern Miss win, that it looked different. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it seemed like both of us were a little tentative to kind of go full yeah. on. I felt like during that entire podcast, we were trying to like not hold each other back. We were each like each individually having to hold back from, are they back? Like, is this, it did look different. And we both said that before we started recording, but I didn't want to go all the way on the loop. I finally just zagged you and Chase by saying uh, that they would take two this weekend. Uh, I sure as hell was never going to go with three, but point being, it felt like we were kind of like, I think they're back, but I need to see more. It felt like you needed to, you saw all you needed to see this weekend. And that's kind of what I wrote about on Friday in the newsletter. So, so for the first weekend all year, and you, and you can disagree with me if, if you'd like, but I, I, I really do believe, believe this. Even when they were in non conference, right? Even, even the, the UCF and VCU and Charleston Southern and, and Oral Roberts series, and through the first eight SEC series, they did not look like the team I thought they would look like when, when it was January and early February. This is the first weekend they looked like the team that I thought they would look like. And I know that's easy to say when they go sweep in Alex Box, but I'm talking about a team that was competitive to good on the mound, quite frankly, from a starter's perspective. They were good in the bullpen. Um, and they hit the crap out of the baseball. That, that's the team I thought they would be in February. And, and up until this point, outside of last weekend, I mean, last weekend was hard because you're talking about the worst team in the SEC. Um, but this was the team we both thought they would be back in February. And, and on one hand, it sucks that um, it took this long for them to come around. But on the other hand, there's no better time for that team to show up than right now because everything is in front of you at this point. It has gone from two weeks ago, right, to it would take a miracle for this team to make the NCAA tournament to – it would pretty much take a collapse at this point, right, for them to miss the NCAA tournament. Yeah, you're right. And let's get to the NCAA tournament part in a minute because I thought you actually made a really, really good point that I had written down um, regarding what you're talking about looked like. Like, in this weird season, it's almost – 
I don't want to say you throw out all of like the things you know and the tangible measures of success because that's clearly not the case. But in talking about this weird season, I think some of the intangible parts of it and the eye test is important when gauging this team, this weird team in this bizarre season. You said this weekend was the first time it looked like the team you thought it would be, correct? And I think that's a really important yeah. point. And what I mean by that is like even when it was good, um, in the early non-conference when they beat up on, you know, Oral Roberts, VCU, I forget whoever else was in there. They take two of UCF, them yeah. at UCF. Honest to God, the only other time that team kind of looked like this was that Friday game at UCF where they gave up a couple runs. Um, Diamond had the tough start, shockingly, not shockingly, Diamond kind of, I believe, in like the fourth or fifth inning of that game. It kind of came off the rails for him a bit. But they went back-to-back-to-back home runs in like the top of the sixth or the seventh inning of that Friday game at UCF. Do you remember that? Yeah. It was like Gonzalez, Elko, and someone else. That Who it was is not really important. That was like one point where I was like, man, this offense could be really dangerous. They hold on to win that close game. Brandon Johnson closes out. That was like a small snapshot. But in terms of like any sort of lengthy period of time over the course of a weekend, they haven't looked like this team, even if it was good. Like, right, like, even when they beat Auburn two out of three, it was like, oh, like that middle game wasn't great. The starting pitching was clearly unsustainable, right? They didn't have a guy reach four innings or five innings in either one of those Auburn wins. It still never looked great. It was like, yeah, they're winning, but – and then they get punched in the face against Tennessee. They survive by every letter of the word at Kentucky – get punched in the face and get to home against Alabama. Again, you get my point. It never looked good even when, like, the facade of them being number one in the country, like, I guess it was all good on the surface. You're right. I I had this written down. This was absolutely the first time they looked like the team I think most of us thought they'd be. Now, what does that mean? Like you said, they were competitive on the mound. They got two really good starts. I thought Derek Diamond gave them everything that he had the current version of Diamond. Look, we can talk about Bianco leaving him in too long again, but Diamond was not a disaster. He did not put them in a hole. He didn't like give them a, he didn't disqualify them from a sweep. He absolutely gave them a chance. And then the other part of it, which is what we really haven't seen, even when they were putting up 18 runs against Auburn, even in throughout the non-conference, one through nine, the lineup really made opposing yeah. sweat and really put a lot of stress and a lot of tax on opposing lineups. You know, before it was, what do we call it, a fraudulent offense because it was, it was home run or bust. It was home run or swing and miss. This wasn't the case. This team moved the ball. They hit balls hard. How many – excuse my French, I was about to say a cuss word. How many foul ball home runs did they hit this weekend? How many lasers did they hit <laughs> down the left and right field line? You, I think it's a great point you make. This really was – and it's easy to say that they swept an Alex Fox. It's the first time it looked that way, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, no, look, they hit home runs in the three, four, five, seven, eight, nine spots in the lineup. Um, and Justin Bitch and Jacob got, well, Justin Bitch has a good weekend. I think that's important too. Jacob Gonzalez was not good this weekend. Um, and no, there's no reason to worry. Let me be very clear. He didn't have bad at bats, but he didn't do a whole lot offensively. Um, and almost was still able to mash the baseball. Um, no, it's look, it's, it's the best they've looked all year. It's and it's the right time to look this good. We're, I'm sure we're going to get to kind of where they stand here in a second, but man, just for a weekend, um, just for a weekend, it felt good to watch them play like we thought they would all year. And yeah, it's, it's probably you know, at least if they're not going to be a national seed, they're not going to be a top eight seed, obviously, at this point. And, and, and they've put themselves on the brink of elimination from even talking about hosting a regional. 
But quite frankly, I'll be honest with you. There's two things with that. And like one, this team plays better on the road. And two, that team as currently constructed and as they played this weekend, there are very, very few teams where they would go on the road in June and not come out alive if they play like that. Um, Ole Miss's best is a top 10 team in the country. And if they play well, it is going to be a nightmare for somebody come next month. Yeah, and that's that's another part of like the – I talked about the Friday show or the Thursday show. Um, shit, I lost my train of thought. I Sorry, I talked about that on the Thursday show where we were talking about – remember we were talking about like if they get in, man, they're going to be a pain in the ass. Now it feels like that's yeah. that's that now you can like say that without any reservation because they had a they still had a as good as they looked three games against Missouri one against Southern Miss they still had a decent bit of work to do well now look I'm not going to jinx and say the hay's in the barn the hay's not in the barn but you're you're on the verge of shutting the barn door in terms of getting a bid to the dance to host yep. host good God to have a chance to get in the tournament like your your work is almost done and that's the power of a sweep we talked about that last week what I mean this team was seven and fourteen. Last week you said something I thought was pretty poignant where it's like, I think you said something to the effect of like, this team is more alive than I think maybe some people want to admit that they are. I thought that was a really good way to put it because of the power of a sweep. Yes, it was bad at 7-14, and 14, then it's 10-14, and 14, and you're like, okay, they got a shot. Well, now 13-14, and 14, you're like, are, are these guys going to finish over 500 in the league somehow? Like, the power of a sweep can't be underestimated. I think you're exactly right on that. But I don't know where to start. Let's get into the weekend a little bit. Ole Miss loses sure. – um, Ole Miss loses, my God. Ole Miss, I thought, was going to lose Dylan DeLucia after three, four innings. So the Friday game gets can't, or gets uh, washed. They're having to restart on Saturday. We'll, uh, we'll start there, I suppose. What did you think of the decision yeah. to bring DeLucia back out? I'll be honest. You texted me. I was at the golf tournament this weekend, and you were like, hey, he's an older arm. I, I won't dismiss it as much as that. I'll push back a little bit. I won't say it's the – safest route to go but I didn't also think it was the end of the world do you know what his pitch count was when he left on or when the game was suspended on Friday 39 wasn't it right so like isn't it different than 60 yes absolutely look I mean the kid at the beginning of the year was a bullpen arm right how many times have we seen guys throw 39 pitches and come back? Now, it, is it a little bit different because he went through a starting routine and all that? Sure. Um, and I don't think in Mike's heart of hearts, he planned on running the kid out there for, what, four, five, six, seven, four more innings. I think he just thought, hey, maybe he's competitive enough to get me through the fifth and I can turn this over to the bullpen. And then you look up and blow and behold, the kid's been really, really good. He was better on Saturday than he was, frankly, on Friday. Um I, th- I think, look, I think it was, I think Mike went into it saying, hey, can you get me through the fifth? And, and you know, that's going to cost me about 60, 62 pitches maybe, maybe a little less. And, and you know, I'll hand it over to my bullpen. And to Dylan Delhouche's credit, man, just went out there and fought his guts out. Um, and was it the safest thing in the world? I don't know. You know, that's that's something where I don't I don't really like to comment just because I don't know these kids' arm. I, I know Delucia said he's a second day soreness guy, uh, which you know, hey, that's that's a that's a normal thing. Like, and what he means is he doesn't get sore the first day after starting; it's the second day, which is a totally normal thing. Um, so he was still good to go. I I, I had very very little um, issue with it. 
uh, because quite frankly, if Ole Miss is going to make noise and do things in a, in a series, uh, their path to success, I'll put it this way, if anybody else started that game besides Dylan Lelouch, I do not believe Ole Miss sweeps that series. Interesting. So I elaborate on that last part a little more. Are you talking about well, they, they just don't come back out for Saturday? Yeah, yeah. If he doesn't start on Saturday, start the resumption of the game, um, and you're on a Mason Nichols or a Jack Washburn or somebody else, I don't think, one, um, they, they, they power through to the eighth and hold that lead and, and get it to uh, BJ and he closes it down. And, two, I don't think those guys are available on a, on a Sunday um, after Derek Diamond has to come out in the fourth uh, to get it again to Brandon Johnson and let him close it down again. Um, I, I just – I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm a little bit guessing, but I, I think Ole Miss needed the effort that, that Dylan DeLucia gave them on Saturday to have the sweep. I just don't think they have enough in the bullpen to overcome maybe their Friday guy only going two innings in a weekend at this point. I think it's a good point, right? Because what has he done every single Friday night for Ole Miss – barring, you know, basically last week that he's been a starter, right? He's had that one bad outing against Missouri. He's kind of been the rubber arm guy where Mike doesn't really have a problem allowing, letting him throw 100-plus pitches and save the bullpen. And, you know, beyond the arm durability part of it, isn't it the fact that Mike trusts a guy like Delucia to not blow up? Like, I mean, like, I don't know. There's been a couple of occasions this year where, like, there's, you could have easily gotten Delucia out of the game in, say, the sixth or the seventh and turned it over your bullpen. Maybe he gives up a single or a solo home run in a game that's relatively tight. Mike's perfectly content leaving him out there because I think there's a belief that he's not going to blow up. Okay, yeah, maybe you tagged him for a solo home run. Yeah, he's at 90 pitches, but I still have his, the utmost confidence in him to continue to, like, I guess, get out and not um, – wear down whereas other guys pretty much every other starter on this team I don't think he has that I'm not sure how many starters in the past he's had that sort of confidence but you know you talk about Delucia kind of saving this team one of the more invaluable pieces of that is just the sheer fact of the link that he's getting in you talk about him fighting his guts out the workhorse and the amount of innings he's logging to save the bullpen for the Saturday and Sunday games or game two and game three games whatever it is I think has been invaluable. And I think this case was kind of the epitome of that, wasn't it, right? Because he had to do it on two different days, which the TV broadcast just absolutely overused that joke. They made that absolutely clear. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, it's really kind of incredible to watch. And so he goes out with what? So he had thrown two pitches in the bottom of the third inning. He gets the one-pitch yeah. strikeout to start his day. He issues a walk in that. LSU <laughs> – doesn't have another base runner until the eighth inning. How about yeah. that for setting the tone? So he gets yeah, he was. Cranford in one pitch to start it. He gets Dugas on three pitches. The Pearson uh, Pearson had a pretty good at bat to him where I think it was like one and two. He had two pretty good takes. He issues the walk. But then he gets the Dylan Cruz fry out. Think about it. At that point in the game, it's four to two. LSU's best hitters up. Pearson had just walked. And, you know, one swing of the bat with Dylan Cruz is dangerous at any point. But, like, that's going to tie the game. He gets him out there and then goes four frames without allowing a base runner. He retired, counting Cruz, 13 straight hitters after that, if I'm not mistaken. Mistaken. Someone used to respond to me for that. Mistaken. It's, it's, it was really kind of unbelievable. Then he gives up the homer and the single, and then they bring in Johnson or whatever. But, like, that four-inning stretch – where he just mows them down and is pretty efficient with his pitches, really, really set up Ole Miss well for the rest of the weekend and should not be lost in the other two games. 
No, no, no. It, he was he was why they had dudes available to win the next two games, man. Um, look, he's in a, in a league. What's funny is in a league that doesn't have a ton of great Friday night arms outside of maybe Georgia and outside of Tennessee. He's one of the better ones. Like seriously, I mean, who who around this league do you take on Friday night over him at this point? Besides maybe Burns at Tennessee and Cannon at Georgia, he he's the third best arm right now. Yeah, on a league that's had a bunch of guys go down with injuries. I mean, who else? I mean, I'm trying to think. You mentioned Cannon. You mentioned. I mean, I'm trying to think who else. Burns at Tennessee, but Burns. Yeah, I mean, you could even throw in. I mean, all three of those guys have going there, right? I mean, it's. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to go down the list. Like, yeah, I can't really think of anyone else. And the fact that Ole Miss didn't really like was wasn't able. We did the blame versus credit thing a couple podcasts ago, but like they, honestly, I think at this point you're just like if you're an Ole Miss fan, you're sitting there thinking, "Thank God they found him, right?" I mean, it's it's really kind of unbelievable, and he's kind of seamless about it. Like I don't know if you saw his television broadcast or his awesome. interview during the second game, and he was just like, "Yeah, I mean, like there there was nothing like, um, it almost like it didn't phase him. Like he was just kind of like, yeah, that's kind of what I do. I always thought I was coming back out. I didn't think there was a chance he was coming back out for that one, but." Clearly, Mike had faith in him, and boy, was that big to start because that game was a barn burner throughout. And that's another difference with this team now is, like, I don't know. It felt like a while back when the pitching was unsustainable kind of early March that they were always going to give up that big inning, and that never happened. There were some hairy moments in the finale. Really, they beat the hell out of him in game two, but there were kind of some tight moments in that game one as well, and Ole Miss really never relented on the mound, but I think kind of Delusha's mindset embodies that. Uh, I'm really running out of adjectives to describe how invaluable he's been to Ole Miss. Yeah. You know, at one point, he, was, he had seven he was, wins and he had four of them. He was really good in that interview. He cracked me up because you just talk about, like, how loose the kid is. He was talking about, you know, I, I just started screwing with my fingers and, and putting pressure different places and making the ball run different ways. I'm like, you did this during the middle of the game? <laughs> What do you uh, think of that, no, by the way? Did you get that nugget, too? He was talking about that during uh, fall ball, too, where he said – I think he said Kevin Graham was like, I still haven't figured it out. And he was like, yeah, man, I just kind of put different pressure on different fingers. Because Kevin Graham was basically saying sometimes it runs, sometimes it dips. And Delusia like, – not that he doesn't know where it's going, but Delusia kind of like acted like he gave Graham the uh, – yeah, yeah, it sometimes does that, but, you know, I can't figure it out either type of thing. Like he almost like shrugged it off. <laughs> Oh me. Uh but no, he's look, he's excellent. He's he's gonna be a handful next month in the in a two three game if Ole Miss isn't able to sweep this weekend. Look, they got a chance, man. And 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 the reason they got a chance is because of that dude, because he has solidified the Friday night role and he has every single time he's taken the ball and gone to the mound. Um well, quite frankly, every time he started on Friday night, they've won. I was gonna say, um, He's giving them a chance to win. Well, hell, no, they just they've won every time he started on Friday nights. The 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 Rebels won the baseball game. So, yeah, I mean, if you're saying if you're if you're going to frame it from like he's giving them a chance to win, it's basically he's kind of put like some of the offensive incompetence on his back for most of those starts. Um, I mean, you think about yeah. the I mean, single handedly saved their ass against Kentucky. They weren't exactly oh, they were pretty good actually that first night against South Carolina. Definitely not against Mississippi State. Um, and I mean, the list kind of goes on and on. Not Arkansas either. He's he's definitely given them a chance, uh, but he's kind of lugged a uh, struggling offense on his back in every outing he's had. Speaking of that offense, I'd like to flip to that for a second because I wrote down this note from Friday's game before it got delayed or suspended um, that I didn't want this to get lost. 
we talked about like, is this offense real? How much of this is real? How much is it uh, just Missouri pitching? Um, how much of this is actually maybe reason to believe that this offense is different? And I think the top of the second inning where Ole Miss put up the four spot in game one, that pretty much won them this game, right? LSU, I know, gets the home run uh, in the eighth to, uh, but at that point, I guess, brought it to five to three. But basically that four run second inning is where Ole Miss took control of this game. Not to, uh, not to gloss over the fact that this is another game where they got down two to nothing, right? Delusia gives up the two run shot in the second inning, or excuse me, in the bottom of the first inning to Cruz. That ball maybe still hadn't landed yet. And they immediately responded. What did they do in the top of the second inning? Well, they scored four runs, but I think it's kind of how they scored four runs. So Kevin Graham flies out to start that inning. And then you have what I think Alderman kind of yanked one over to the first baseman, if I'm not mistaken. Someone like a little weak little grounder. Okay, TJ McCants two out double. If watching this team for two months, how many times throughout this year would have been like, okay, it's like you know TJ McCants, that's nice, he got going. They're not scoring a run here, right? I mean, how many times have you just written that off as oh, okay? They're definitely going to strike out at that point. Unfortunately, they did strike out, but LSU has one of their many fielding gaps where they have the uh, wild pitch or pass ball, whatever it was. Kramer gets to first base. And that's really the crux of what I'm trying to get out here. You know what they did in that second inning? The opponent made a mistake, and they said, you done fucked up, basically, and really punished them. <laughs> All of a sudden, you get a shot walk and a really, really, really good at bat. Dunhurst single up the middle. Boom. I believe that scored both of them. Did it? Yes, I believe so. No, wait. Yeah, yeah, no, sorry. It scored the two. The, the Shad made, Shad made the right. loaded. Sorry, I was getting ahead of myself there. Boom. Now, all of a sudden, it's 2-2. Two, two. Um, Justin Bench gets behind 1-2. Fouls off one, takes three straight balls. The last two, if I'm – two of the last three were pretty damn good takes. Gonzalez single up the middle. It's 4-2. to two. How many innings has Ole Miss lacked? Like, how many times has that not happened for them when they really needed it to? I mean, I'm thinking – Game two against South Carolina, game two against Mississippi State, um, game two or three against Arkansas. Like, how many times have they had a chance to kind of either respond or take control of the game based on kind of tough at-bats and, like, kind of grinding something out of nothing, and it just hasn't been there? They finally capitalized on the opportunity. Do you give any credit? So, what I'm about to say is, is, is might sound a little stupid, but do, do you give a little credit to the pitching staff figuring it out helping the offense in those situations because like now the offense in, in those spots with two outs and in, in, in a big spot they know hey look if we don't come through here those guys are going to go throw up some zeros and keep us in it and that's different at bat man whereas against Mississippi State and, and against Tennessee and against South Carolina I don't know if you had the confidence that the, the guy on the mound was going to go throw up a zero and keep you in it it's just a, it's a, it's a different feel with this offense right now just because they know they've got dudes on the mound that can throw up zeros and keep you in baseball game. So the pressure isn't as immense. Um, and I get it. Like, hey, it's the same it's same concept, bat, ball, get a hit, put the ball in play. Uh, but it's just different when you know that, hey, if I don't get this done here, I've got somebody that's got my back on the other side of the ball. Whereas if you don't know that, that, that you, you maybe grip the bat a little bit harder and the bat becomes a little bit more different. No, I'm with you there. And I think that was definitely a cause. Look, I don't think the offense should be totally exonerated because the pitching no, 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 no. a month to figure it out. And I'm not saying you're suggesting that uh, either. 
But, yeah, I think you're right. I think that definitely did play a role in some of the offense's early struggles and maybe got him in a little bit of a funk. But I definitely do think that's part of it. But I don't know, man. Like, it, it, at the same time, like, to play devil's advocate to our own collective point here, the, by the time they reached the South Carolina series and by the time they reached the state, and particularly the Arkansas series, the pitching had been pretty good. You know what I mean? I mean, I guess did they need a three-week sample size to figure out, okay, we're not going to give up a bunch of runs on the mound. I don't know if I can give them, like, credit for that. Like, it's, it's – I say the pitching staff. I don't know if I can kind of, like, give the offense that – benefit of the doubt to where I know they're different now because the pitching staff is better if that makes sense at all like they have been good for five six weeks now the offense is finally just catching up I think a lot of it is the fact that Kevin Graham has returned to the lineup and he's looked like himself because boy did he have a monster weekend yeah he uh he's still good at baseball some guy's very angry that uh he did not make our all Bianco team oh man so <laughs> should we just get this out of the way now yes I saw a bunch of that this weekend. And so, one, it doing the all-Bianco draft, didn't it feel like it – not to say that there was a bigger weight put on past players, but these current players at the time, Ole Miss being 10 and 14 and it being a dramatically underwhelming season. Like, I'm not going to say the current players had, like, less emphasis, but I can't say I viewed, like, Kevin Graham in, the, in probably a completely fair light or, like, a Tim Elko in a completely fair light. And that's probably on me. But just the way the season has gone and the way Chase kind of described the exercise, like I, I feel like I put I, the current players were more in the back of my mind than the forefront. I, when the time I spent researching was guys that I hopefully hadn't forgot over the previous night makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. I feel like the current players kind of got a bad rap because Gonzalez's career is still unfolding. Of course, Kevin Graham's is. And also the last point on that is it's a podcast exercise, man. Of course we made mistakes. I didn't spend seven hours researching this. I spent like an hour and a half over two beers making sure I didn't make any, you know, just egregious mistakes, pick it apart if you want to. But like there was no, no one's getting like uh, signing bonuses affected by getting nominated to this made up team. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't think either of us believe that Kevin Graham wasn't one of the best hitters that came through Mike Bianco's. I mean, quite frankly, if you, I, the the one that I forgot that we didn't mention, um, Charlie Babina was really good. I don't know if Ooh, you remember yeah. him played. Um, but no, like both of us, I believe take Kevin Graham is an elite elite college baseball player. Um, so yeah, no, look, it's it's good to see him back, man, because him protecting Elko and, and protecting Gonzalez makes this lineup even deeper. It was nice to see Bench have a great weekend um, on both sides of the baseball. Truly. Um, and it just it just feels like they're playing like the team we thought they'd be. And if they can do that for one more weekend, they're gonna have a chance next month. And 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 that, quite frankly, uh, two weeks ago, that's all you could ask for is just hey, get a chance in June and go. Let's go see what this team look like looks like. Because if they ever figured it out, and I think this is, and 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 I know I'm. Like, I don't mean this obnoxiously, but this is why I was so pissed off this team was playing so poorly um, because I did always think, and I said this multiple times, I thought this team had a run in them. But they put themselves in such a deep hole that the run in them, uh, it, it, it limited what they're going to be able to do. But it doesn't – I'll say this. It doesn't completely shock me that a team full of seniors um, and juniors and upperclassmen and a coach that's been here 22 years – figured it out enough to, to put themselves in position to make the NCAA tournament. Boy, they waited till the last minute to do it, though. 
sure, sure, they did. They were literally out of time. I mean, it, it was it was then or never against Missouri last week. It went beyond any sort of like time frame that I could even quantify it in. Like it was, it was. We we did. The, I I titled a newsletter, and I'm pretty sure the podcast description the same way. The final nail in the coffin. <laughs> <laughs> this was this was over. And look, I'll go back and eat crow on that. I'm, I mean, because clearly it's not over at this. Well, point. you're not gonna be the only one. Well, I was about to say it's just I don't know. I, 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 we talked about this a couple of times after the. Mississippi State series, that was the kind of the final nail in the coffin weekend. At that point, they were what? They were six and six and twelve. Six and twelve. And just the way those last two games unfolded, it just kind of looked lifeless. And they just kind of looked like a not kind of, they absolutely looked like a bad baseball team. And so I've always tried to stay away from like the over dramatic because this sport is weird and their team teams do this every year where they underachieve or there's a run and things look completely different than they did three weeks prior. I felt like I tried to be as cautious as possible, but with the dynamic of this season coming in with, you know, Omaha or bus, can this team win 20 games, be a national seed and all that after this eight series, I finally was just like, all right, this, this, this definitely feels over. And I'll certainly eat my words on that, whether they end up making the world series or not and getting in and making a run. Um, it's kind of irrelevant at this point because clearly it wasn't over. I guess what I'm just getting at is in a sport where runs happen all the time and teams kind of find magic late, this even went on went beyond like the mathematical time frames I had just in terms of like sheer games left to win, if that makes sense. I mean, this really just kind of just blowing my mind, the, the run that they're currently on. I, I did not see this coming. Um. Like I said, I thought they could have a have a run in them, but but I didn't think that included a sweep at a Baton Rouge and, and um, a win at Southern Miss to really really put themselves in the position that they have. Um, no, it's it's impressive. And look, a lot of people are doing the thing on on Twitter and on the internet. It's like, well, and I don't really. Get, I'll be honest with you, I don't really understand it. It's like, are they going to win enough to 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 one keep Yanko's job? And it's like, well, first off. I, I and you can disagree with me here. I think they would at least have to win a regional, um, especially at this point for that to even be a conversation. But but at some point, um, as an old Miss fan, like can can you not just be happy for Tim Elko and Kevin Graham and Justin Bench and Peyton Shotier and Hayden Dunhurst and, and TJ McCants and Jacob Gonzalez that have gone through a lot this year and and and, and they're starting to figure it out. And you're talking about guys and, and Graham and Elko and Bench. Um, they didn't have to come back and did, and 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 they they want because they wanted to make a run with this. And can, can you just be happy for those kids? Because I kind of am. Like, you know, credit to them because they could have laid down when shit was going poorly, um, and they did. And 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 I'm I'm super excited for those kids that that at least it looks like they're going to get to participate in the NCAA tournament. No, you're right. It's a good point. And it's a, it's the ultimate – I want to save this for a little bit later because I know I'm kind of belaboring the point. I want to get to a couple, like, important instances in these games. But it is the ultimate, like, live in the present. Um, it's not even the ultimate live in the present season. I guess it was in terms of kind of do or die. But, like, in terms – like, this, the way I view this is just the ultimate live in the present. This team has given them a chance. They're red hot. They have a ton of talent. They will – in all likelihood, barring some sort of miracle, be playing on the road in the postseason. Anything outside of not getting through a regional, like you said, at minimum, is not saving Bianca's job. So I made this point last week. If you're an Ole Miss fan, like, isn't this the greatest postseason setup you could possibly have? This team is playing good baseball. 
they're finally, after two months of being really a miserable group to watch, they're actually a ton of fun to watch. I mean, these last two weekends, yes, it's easy when they're winning, but like this is the brand of baseball is different. Um, they're fun to watch. Isn't this kind of the ultimate just kind of, I don't know. And like a, an Ole Miss fan, I feel like in the last two decades has had kind of two decades of postseason heartbreak. Isn't this the perfect postseason to have? Either get the result you want in terms of making a run and making it to Omaha, Nebraska or pretty damn close, or you probably get changed at the top of the program. Like what, what is what, – what Ole Miss fan would be walking on eggshells during this postseason? You know what I mean? And kind of like, I don't know. Well, I'm one, but other than I, I don't – yeah. Yeah, you get my point, right? Like, you're going to get it either way, so why not just kind of enjoy this for what it is and just see where it goes? Um, I, honest to God, from my perspective, I'm just glad we're still doing this podcast at this point because it's 7-14 and 14 after the Arkansas series and after the State series, too. I was just like, look, man, we'll check in every now and again, but there's really no point to this because it felt over. And not to get kind of off, in, off into a tangent about the big picture more so than we already do on this, that's just kind of the way I see these next couple weeks. It's like, yeah, like, does this absolve? Like, I mean, I got a question. I got a DM from a guy today on Twitter who was like, have the Rebs done enough to save Bianca's job? It's like, no, dude. No. Like, just, can you give that? Of course not. But can you give it a month? Like, let's just see where it goes. I just kind of want to see where it goes. Because, again, they're playing good baseball. Um, one of the announcers said today, Oh, Miss, you could make a case they're one of the hottest teams in the conference. It's like, congrats, dude. That, that, you really dug deep for that nugget. Uh, yes, absolutely. So let's just see where it goes. Um, sticking with it though, I kind of want to get back into the minutiae of this series a little bit, because I thought this was an important series, not only for the result, but like we keep getting at, I think the general theme of this podcast, it's just certainly the way they, they played. And so they win game one that felt like a huge win. I don't know about from your perspective, but I'm thinking, okay, this feels like any other weekend they've had. They now have two shots to get one win to really set themselves up with a legitimate chance next weekend. And this kind of leads into the part about the offense looking different and really just looking like a relentless group. What does Ole Miss do? They score two in the first. They score two in the second. They score five in the fourth. And they score another in the fifth to go up. Was that nine to nothing before LSU really felt like they could even take a breath? This really, this game two and parts of game three today, even though they weren't great with runners in scoring position, uh, as we record this on a Sunday night, this was the game where it was like, okay, holy hell, like this offense definitely looks like that. Because I didn't even think the LSU starter, um, was Devin Fonda, oh, no. they started who shoved against Ole Miss last year, I didn't even think he was terrible. I thought just Ole Miss made him work a little bit. I mean, he only got four outs, 26 pitches, but the Cooper kid they brought in behind him, it felt like nothing came easy at all, if I'll put it to you that way. Blake Money had some success oh. later in the game, but the result was already decided. So – I thought, and maybe I'm crazy here, but but as an Ole Miss fan, I've been on the other side of what LSU was going through at that point. It's like you lose that game. And and if you're LSU, right, and you lose that game on Saturday morning and you got to come back and play Saturday afternoon at 150 or whatever it was, the first thing you need to do, right, like, hey, we got to get this, this ship steered correctly and, and, and figure this out the first thing you got to do is you got to go get three outs in the bottom of the first and get your offense up there in the zero zero game right and give a ton of credit to Tim Elko and Kevin Graham because when they hit back-to-back home runs if you're in that LSU dugout or you're a fan in that stadium it's like holy shit can we just can we catch our breath for just a second and figure out how we're going to attack this Ole Miss pitching staff and and Kevin Graham and Tim Elko didn't let them 
and then all of a sudden you're down 2-0, and then two innings later you're down 4-0, and it's like, you're, you're, if you're an LSU fan or you're in that LSU dugout, it's like, Jesus Christ, we, we cannot catch a break at this point. Um, and, and as an Ole Miss fan, I've been on the other side of that plenty this year. Um, so credit to those guys. I thought it was important that they jumped on them the way they did early and made LSU kind of panic. And, and the Tigers are a young team um, that have some defensive issues. And they, when Ole Miss jumped on their throat, freaked out. And, and, and Hunter Elliott was great, and it led to a big time, the biggest of the season uh, win for Ole Miss. You're absolutely right about that. Kevin Graham, uh, seven for 12 this weekend with two walks and I think three RBI. That's actually a little bit shocking. I thought he had more RBI, but, man, seven for 12. That's, uh, that's over 500. I do know enough about that. Can you actually confirm the math on that? Yeah, yep, definitely over 500. Yeah, uh, to, that's pretty good. He finally looks like himself again, but you're exactly right. And honestly, part of that, uh, like part of the advantage of that too, was the fact that old, like LSU didn't have a night to kind of like wash the loss and come back, yep. right? They had 45 minutes. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say, uh, here's a take, Quake. The, uh, the rain delay and this rain-suspended game that Ole Miss was leading 4-2 to two worked to their advantage. But when the offense performs like it did, you don't have the the overnight to kind of wash the loss and come back out with not even necessarily a new approach, but just like, okay, new day, let's try this again. They had 45 minutes, and I thought that was – I mean, if you're talking about Ole Miss kind of – they haven't really had many statement moments this year. I thought the first two innings of, uh, of that uh, game two was kind of a statement because it was like, no, our foot is still on the gas. Like the, the sense of urgency I feel like you've wanted from this team came to life in the first four innings of that Saturday game. Like, they weren't resting on the fact that, sweet, we we had that weird deal happen Friday night. We closed out that game. Let's figure out kind of a way to win one of these next two. It was like, no, we're going to go up, you know, 9 nothing or whatever it was, 10 nothing before you can catch a breath. I thought that was the first time they showed some sort of, like, sense of urgency that I feel like a lot of, like, the fan base and the people watching have like, kind of wanted them to have uh, for the last two months, and it's been lacking. Yeah, no, exactly. Um... They went out and they punched LSU, and LSU wasn't ready to punch back. And and that's a credit to them, man. It's uh, I I can't emphasize enough how big those two first inning home runs were. It uh, you know, especially when Elliott goes and gets the three outs, big double play too. Don't forget that to end the top of the first. Um, And 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 I think I text you at the point it's because Elliott looked bad in the first inning. He did not look great. And then all of a sudden, they hit a ground ball. and just hit pretty well, right at Chatney. They turned the double play. That's the type thing that two weeks ago and three weeks ago, they didn't make that play to get off the Ever. field. Man. And I'm not trying to sound like Mike Bianco um, talking about, hey, they, they got to make that pitch or they got to make that play over and over again. But they didn't make those plays. And this weekend and last weekend, they're starting to make those plays to, to where, hey, stuff gets tough, and, and they just go make the play to get out of the inning. Um, cause you know, maybe, maybe two weeks ago, maybe Chatier fumbles the ball and, and throws Gonzalez off the bag and they only get one instead of two. And then the next kid hits a ball in the gap and it's two to one instead of two to zero. Um, but credit to them, man. They, uh, they, they, they're starting to make those plays and make those pitches and, and take those at bats that, that help win them baseball games. And you wonder, you're sitting there thinking, if you're out there listening, you're, you're probably thinking, what's the difference? Why is this different? What? Like what? What? What has contributed this? Like I don't understand. Like other than getting Ke- Kevin Graham back, like what makes this a different offense? Um, I think you can. 
I don't say look no further, but I think it certainly starts with the guy like Hayden Dunhurst and the guy like Peyton Chatagnier. Peyton Chatagnier yep. has had a terrible year, but he's one to his credit has not um, has not wilted by any stretch of the imagination and kind of just kept showing up and kind of trying to work it, trying to figure out how to work it out. I'll uh, I'll give you Kevin uh, Peyton Chatagnier stat line this weekend. He was five for eleven with the home run three walks and a couple RBIs. He had an 0 for 2 game in – I can't remember if it was the Friday. I think it was the Friday game. But he drew two walks in that game. This is on the heels of him going 1 for 3, 2 for 4, and 1 for 4 with the home run over the weekend against Missouri. He's starting to figure it out. Uh, you know, Hayden Dunhurst had the big home run in the second inning of game two. That's the kind of, like, contributions they haven't gotten. Right? Like, I mean, how long did this lineup feel like bench – excuse me, Gonzalez, Elko, bench to some degree, Alderman to some degree, and then it was just a bunch of holes. Now it's starting to round out to where there isn't, really isn't an easy out in this lineup, which is what brings us back to what we talked about in February. But if you're kind of wondering what's different, it seems to me like it's a lot of Dunhurst and it's a lot of Peyton Chatagnier being a lot better than they've been for the previous two and a half months of the SEC season. Yeah, no, look, um, I texted somebody this over the weekend. I said they're better because the kids that haven't hit all year are starting to hit. It's different when it's one through nine, man. It's different when you can't breathe down there. <coughs> and you've got Leatherwood that – and we'll get to game three here in a minute, but I thought that was critical. The kid hits a left-handed home run uh, off a lefty. Um, you know, it. look, they swung it one through nine this weekend outside of T.J. McCants that had another tough weekend. Um, but even he played a really good center field and had a big double on, on, um, Friday and had an RBI single on Saturday too. Um, they just swung it, man. And, and that's what this team is supposed to do and, and credit to them. Um, we make the joke about the, the college kid that didn't go to class for a month and a half, but by God, he, he has shown up to class and has put in work and they're going to say he's taken the first half of his final and he made like a 96 on it. Um, so now when he comes back and takes the second half, he doesn't have to score as high as he did on that one. Um, I don't know. It's uh it's an impressive group right now. And, and the hope is obviously they just continue it over the next three or four games. I guess we should get to that in a little bit. Uh, what they're going to do with the Arkansas State thing? Uh, yeah, I had that. I had that written down to to get to that. That would be a ton of fun, and I was. I'm sure we'll draw a lot of uh, a lot of nuanced reaction from people, uh, starting with A and M last week. But um, yeah, it's 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 really kind of unbelievable. And then even in the game today, you know, another sign of this offense kind of looking more like the one that we thought it would is they get up one to nothing in the first. They score two more in the second. And then LSU fights back, and it's three to three. All of a sudden, it's like, all right, this is a game they're going to have to keep adding on. And we can get to the Mike Bianco, um, Derek Diamond part of it in a second. But like, it's three to three. LSU ties it up. Well, what does Ole Miss do? They score four in the fourth. Yep. You have the Elko single, Alderman home run. Boom. You know, before whatever pitcher was still in there for them, I think it was they had relieved Hasty or Rizelman, whatever that Rizelman. Yeah, yeah, the kid throws ninety-eight. Yeah, welcome to him. He threw five pitches and he gave up two runs. Or excuse me, he threw five pitches to Elko single, four pitches, then he gives up the two-run home run. Then boom, Leatherwood walk shot and yay home run, which is a massive one at seven to three. Point being in a Sunday game that I didn't necessarily think was going to be a slugfest, but thought that Ole Miss is gonna have to keep adding on. They're not winning this game three to one or something like that. They absolutely did that. They put up the four spot in the fifth, they get another run late that gives them a little bit more breathing room. That's the kind of things that good offenses do on Sunday games to 
mean, that's the difference. That's a, that's a difference-making game, right? We talked about can they find a way to, like, tough out a, a win to not get swept by Alabama? Can they find a way to tough out and not get swept by Tennessee at home? They haven't been able to do that. The, look, this team sitting at 13 and 14 versus 12 and 15 this weekend makes a world of difference, and I felt like the offense really carried them to that win today, despite Diamond being pretty good for what he is. Yeah, no, look, the offense was good today. Diamond gave him everything he had. Um, that was a solid effort. And, and I think, I think look, it could have been really easy um, once the thing got tied three to three for you to look at it and say, oh, we had a good weekend. We're back in it. We're good. No, they didn't. They went to the top of the end and they put up four runs. And quite frankly, for all intents and purposes, if you're LSU at that point and you just worked your tail off to come back from down 3-0, like, and they just put up four. If I'm an LSU dude and I'm in that other dugout, I'm like, I'm tired of this crap. Like, we, we, we fight back every time and they just go and extend the lead. Um, so, you know, it's uh, – it, it credit to them, man. Every time that they were tested and every time they needed to, to, to produce offensively this weekend, they answered the call. And that's why we're having a completely different conversation than we were having two weeks ago. Yep, and to add on to that, Hunter Elliott – I don't want to gloss over the Gosh. fact because sometimes it can get lost in 11 to 1 or in a, like in a blowout win like that. Ole Miss wins the game too, 11 to 1. But you have, I'm going to make sure I have this stat right because I wrote it down. I think I might actually put this on Twitter, but um, I want to make sure I have this correct. Hunter Elliott's last three starts 19 and two thirds innings pitch. He's allowed 12 hits, five run runs, 26 strikeouts, five walks. He's made the sixth inning in every single one of those. He's now gone six. Six and two thirds and seven. Is that correct? Maybe is that I had that inverse. Uh, that'll work. You went six point two, yes. Six point two and then seven last week. Um, that that'll certainly work. That looks like a kid really coming into his own. And another sign about that too is you text me. Is like he doesn't look great. I don't think he had his best stuff. I think he absolutely settled in and kind of found the way to uh, to not have that blow up, right? Ole Miss gets in the early lead. Instead of having that be, you know, 4-4 four, four or 4-3 four, three after three innings, he really found a way to keep LSU off the scoreboard, and I thought that was kind of a sign of a pitcher maturing as well. I've said this a couple of times now, but look, if Ole Miss is able to get into a regional, I don't necessarily know what to make of it, but they will certainly have entered regionals in the past with worse one-two combinations than Hunter Elliott and Dylan DeLucia. Is this the most – talented team Mike will have ever taken on the road because because he don't he don't usually go on the road with good teams so yeah exactly. um, what a question um I, I mean I'd have to think about that but I, I mean the surface answer is yes right I mean what other I can't think of any team 08 that, would be the only one yeah yeah with, with Lynn and Palm but Palm wasn't Palm Ranch yet um and then Lynn actually I don't he didn't have a great regional outing in 08. But anyways, no, Elliott was great. And and he's turned into that Saturday guy, man. They're good on Friday and Saturday, right? Like, you know, it, I'm sure, you know, assuming Ole Miss does what I think we both think they'll do next weekend um, and get into a regional, um, they're going to have legitimate shots to win both games on Friday and Saturday. And we know if, hey, you're look, I get what happened in 2018 and 2012. But if you can figure out a way to go 2-0 and in a regional, the – the odds are certainly ever in your favor. Um, so, it's just, man, look, it's – him coming along the way he has, Dylan Delusia figuring it out is set up for – where Ole Miss has one of the best one-two punches in the West right now. Um, 
and and is a big big reason as to why they've got a really good shot to to make the tournament in here in two weeks. Yep. And uh, to add on, to, I meant to do, uh, add this in earlier with the Peyton shot. And yeah, Hayden Dunhurst <laughs> in five straight SEC games, which is uh, certainly he. I don't think he he had a pinch hit situation in the midweek, if I'm not mistaken. I think he got one at bat in there. But you know, his last five games, he has what is that six hits, driven in a couple runs, and has two home runs mixed in that mix. He certainly found it bat wise, but to bring it back to the pitching part of it, I just it take, took me a second to find his page and had that. I thought I had that written down, but um, you're right. I mean the the pitching's actually pretty good, and it's it's if they like you said if they can get into a regional, don't you feel good about? I never thought I would have said this in early March, but like, don't you feel like pretty good about their chances? We can have the conversation about holding dilution, not holding dilution, but don't you feel like you're pretty good about their chances with either one of them at this point, right? Like the first two games. Yeah, I wouldn't hold him at this point. point. You feel good about their chances. You would not hold him. No, I mean, he's, I mean, look, he's good, but so is Elliot. Um, it's not like, I guess what I'm saying, there's not a dramatic fall off like last year from Nikhazy to, to Diamond. Um, now, do I think Dylan Lucia is better? I do, but – I would rather just get off to the one and zero start with Dilution, put the kid on the mound that's been really, really good lately. So, um, no, look, he he he's he's special. And um, if you're old mess, right, the hope has got to be that hey, you get both these cats back next year, and you may be cooking with gas with the as far as the rotation goes. Now, look, they'll lose a lot offensively, but still, returning these two cats to the rotation can set you up pretty well. It certainly looks a lot more promising than it did, again, at the beginning. I mean, even at the beginning of the season on paper, it's like, well, they're not going to be great pitching-wise next year. It doesn't look like in the first month and a half didn't give you much confidence either. It's, a, it's, it's, it's something. So I, I don't have much else I want to get to um, from these games. Like, I, I think I, we just about covered it um, from that standpoint. Uh, it was funny, though, you get to the night. Brandon Johnson, he's been good over the last month. You know, he had that rush last month, probably about two and a half weeks. He had did have that one rush stretch. He is uh he's never one to lack for drama. They did get to the ninth inning tonight where LSU had a man on. Um, what is it? You end up facing McManus was up with two on and Drew Bianco. Drew Bianco is on deck. And I think Mike actually got asked about this after the game. He said, I looked in the on-deck circle and said, nope, this would not be fun for the Bianco family, which I could see how. Um, That would not be a ton of fun. (laughs) But, man, the fact that Brandon Johnson was able to to retire that last guy – it's probably saved a lot of message board servers. Um, I'll put it to you that it way. It did. It did, whether it was Tiger Rags or uh, Rebel Grove or whatever. Because um, if that goes one way, somebody else is going to accuse somebody of throwing the game, and it's just like, Jesus Christ. Um, and McMahon no, is just red hot, too. Yeah, yeah. I am really, really happy that Brandon Johnson just struck out uh, McManus and, and the Rebels got out of there with an 8-5 victory. Uh Five and zero versus the Tigers this year in all three sports. I don't wonder if Ole Miss has ever not lost LSU in a sport in an academic year. You wouldn't have to go back far, right? I mean, didn't they? They Ole Miss swept them in twenty ten in Oxford. Is that correct? Yeah, but they did they win the did they win both football games? No, there's no shot. I just meant. No, I don't mean you don't have to go back. Well, no, far. they actually they would have won that football game. And the way I should have said that is, uh, <laughs> you. <laughs> There's, there's only so many places you could check um, because they haven't swept sure, 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 sure. They had never swept them in Baton Rouge, um, which was kind of crazy as far back as they played baseball. It there. was also said 86 times today. 
yeah, that was said 86 times. And then the, the fact that they hadn't won back-to-back series since blah, blah, blah. I don't understand why anytime there's some sort of stat that happened in the 60s, the announcer has to ask who is president. Like, we all did that stupid song where we had to learn all the president's names. What does that matter? Like, of course, the fact that Ole Miss hadn't done something since 1944, it's not more impressive because Harry Truman was roaming the White House at that point. Like, that just – I don't understand that fact of it. It's a nice little TV throwaway line. I'm not necessarily critiquing it. But, like, if you tell me Ole Miss hasn't done something – you know, since before color television was invented, I get the point. I don't need you to tell me that Harry Truman was, you know, contemplating what bombs he was going to drop on what Japanese island or whatever. That doesn't add any context to anything. Sorry, rant over. Thoughts? Uh, five in a row in the box, though, because they lose the Friday night game in 19, and, and they won five cents. Will Ole Miss ever lose an Alex Box again? Do they have to name, rename the stadium Mike Bianco Stadium? Just, Just thought about that. He does have a, a little, not statue, but he's got a little bust out there, which honestly. You know, you know, he, he did not mind beating Scott Woodward's team three times this weekend. I don't think he minded that either. And the fact, uh, you know, to, to, on a more serious note, I'll get to a second. One, I was going to say the, uh, the head size on his bust out there, a little small. I've seen it bigger. Um, I, I would like to talk to the architect about that because it, 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 I don't feel like it reflects life size. Um, <laughs> I don't think he minded beating Scott Woodward's team. Just a completely outside of baseball humanitarian side of it. I didn't humanity side, not humanitarian. We're not curing cancer over here. I thought it was cool that he got to be there for Drew Senior Day. I never really thought about that. Uh, I didn't think about that aspect, but I saw the picture afterward. And you know, as much crap as I like to give Mike Bianco, I did. I did a story on in twenty. 17 when they were down there I actually talked to Mike for an hour and a half in a hotel room believe it or not before they were going to play the Saturday game down there um about the fact that the next time he was going to be down there his kid was going to be playing for him and just how fast time moves and I know he he it, I, I really does get any dad but it really does kill him that he doesn't go get to see a ton of his kids games um you know there's been a couple instances throughout the years where misses had a Thursday Saturday series where he's made the trek down to Baton Rouge or Louisville or wherever to find the watch his kid. I did think it was cool. He got to be there for his kid's senior day. I thought that was kind of a nice quirk in the schedule um, for him. And I know that was probably special to him. I'm glad he, I'm sure he's glad he escaped with three wins, but that had to be a nice little sweet bonus for the God. Oh, absolutely. I don't I look uh, the, the Bianco kids playing or not playing for him is a, is a tired thing anyway. So I don't even want to discuss it, but, but yes, him, um, getting to be there for Drew Senior Day is has got to be something that he enjoys. I mean, this is a guy now. Look, and he said this after the game. He he's he's missed graduations because he he's he's been coaching the Rebels. Um, I I know I know that he that you know he's missed them and and stuff sucks, man. Like I mean, and I get it. Look, he's he's paid well and and he's he's compensated well to coach Ole Miss baseball. I get it. But, like, just as a human being, that stuff's got to suck. I mean, he's got a daughter that's a senior in high school this year. Goodness knows if he's, you know, missed volleyball games or whatever to, to coach Ole Miss. Um, so, you know, it's it, it's tough. And I'm glad that for a night or for a day he got to be there and just be a dad in that situation. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's well said. Um, kind of pulling it back in, though, to the series and what it means. Um I texted you this on Saturday. So full disclosure, I was at the golf tournament. I uh, went out to the Byron. I had a big sports weekend, by the way. Not that anyone cares. 
I went to two rounds of the PGA Tour event out here and then went to the Rangers Red Sox on Saturday. How about that? You're going to go to the Mavericks parade tonight? Are they going to have one for what they just did? My God, man. I, uh, <laughs> there's some people in the apartment below me that are big Mavs fans that were screaming the whole time. Not, a, I'm not complaining. It was kind of funny. I could hear them below. But now every time the Stars score – I mean, it's a big sports night here. The, you know, the Stars are playing the uh, Flames in a game seven as we record this. The Stars – Oh, God, those poor people. Oh, yeah, the Stars, the Stars scored a goal about 10 minutes ago. We were talking about, I'm sure, something about Mike Bianco. And uh, I heard a little rumble underneath me and some people yelling. So, big sports day here at the DFW. Um, but got to see my guy Hayden Buckley, my friend from uh, high school. Um, he didn't make the cut, but got to see him. Uh, I, play, I watched him Friday's round and got to talk to him a little bit afterward, which was cool. But anyway, I was out there on Saturday, and I texted you as the game was going on because I had a – you, I had a, I had an earpiece in watching the game on my phone as I'm walking around watching the golf. Talk about just doing too many things at one time. But I texted you and I said, "What happens if they win today, tomorrow, and sweep next weekend, in 16 and 14?" And like it was kind of halfway joking, but now they're three wins away. I mean, it's I'll, at least worth talking about, right? I'll present it to you this way: you, you, you dropped the nugget earlier in the podcast. I, I can't believe we're having this conversation. I don't think it's going to happen. Don't get me wrong. Ole Miss still needs to win another game to feel good about their chances of getting in. So I, I, I fully understand. I'm getting ahead of myself here, but just with the way they're playing, what does happen if they get to 16 and 14? What, do, what are your thoughts? So 16 and 14 is actually 17 and 14, right? Correct. With a with, with a Governor's Cup win. Um. They would need three wins in Hoover, and I would feel pretty good at that point that they would host a regional. I, I mean, I don't think they could win less than that. Um, but I think at three, at 20 SEC wins, and what I think their RPI would be in the top 16, I would be hard-pressed to see them not hosting a regional, if I'm honest. Um, so, no, I just – I mean, look, do I expect that to happen? If people are like, oh, Bristol predict them host – no, I'm not. I actually don't think they're going to sweep next week. And I do think they're going to win two. Um, but if they are 16 and 14, and if they do get to Saturday in Hoover, I expect there will be postseason baseball in Oxford. I, I just, the way their RPIs exploded this week, what six more SEC wins would do. Um, and, and, you know, especially when you consider that those wins would be over top 50 opponents, I do expect that they would host at that point. Now, that's a long, long ways away. Yes, it is. And, but we had to bring it up, right? Like, was it like, you know what I mean? Like, sure. I, I don't know. I mean, you, you kind of dropped a hint earlier when you said something. I was, I, I, I didn't, I felt less weird bringing it up after they swept today, but like, you know, whatever. I, did you, what's more miraculous? This team winning three games next weekend or this team winning seven in a row? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, I'm not making predictions with this team. If someone's out there cataloging all the wrong things we say on the podcast, which I don't think we have that. We generally have pretty uh, awesome listeners in this part. We're not necessarily um, ashamed to admit when we're wrong. I, in terms of predictions, I just throw my hands up and just say, I don't know. I answered quite a few questions from friends and people I interact with on social media this weekend about just like, what do they need to do to get in? Two wins, whatever, one more win, whatever. I was answering before the Sunday game. But in terms of like, what do you think this means? What do you think this team's going to do? I literally just texted back, no clue. <laughs> I have no idea what any of this means or what they're going to do. I think they're playing good baseball. I think they're dangerous. But, like, as far as what this means and where it goes, I, how can you put any concrete expectations on this baseball team given the way this two months has gone? I'll, I'll package that. My favorite, thing, my favorite thing, and we talked about this last week, 
is that like going into this week, right? It's like, hey, if they win one game, they might want to win another in Hoover. I think they'd be okay, but if they just win one, they yeah, win a game in Hoover just to make sure everybody's breathing good. And then if they, they go two and one, it's like, well, Hoover doesn't matter. You shouldn't even go. And if they go three and oh, it's like, well, hell, if you do a little work in Hoover, they might host. I just love the like literal lines that are drawn for what, what uh, each record means for SEC teams. Yeah, a buddy of mine texted me to, or messaged me today. I think it was like a Snapchat. <laughs> He was asking because he was asking me like, what do they need to do to make the tournament? My, my brother texted me and goes, if they sweep next weekend, can they make the tournament? I was like, buddy, like, yes. They, they, <laughs> now they need one more win. Like, they, they they don't need to sweep next weekend to get in. But then I had another friend that was like, I was kind of outlining the different scenarios, and he just sent back, this sport's kind of weird. I was like, yeah, it really is. <laughs> this is a strange sport. That's kind of what makes it fun. That's kind of what makes it an uh, an enjoyable sport. But yeah, it it is crazy, right? Nine days ago. We were talking about this team. Are they going to go 10 and 20? How bad this is going to get? Are they going to announce Mike's resignation? All of those things are on the table. They now reel off seven in a row, and you're one sweep away from kind of counting the math of what you need to do to somehow back in postseason baseball in Oxford. Again, I don't think that's going to happen. I just kind of want to kind of put all of that into perspective of just how insane all of that is. Now let's get to a more realistic conversation about this and what where it's sure. going to go. Ole Miss is 13 and 14 now in the SEC play. They have set themselves up for a situation to where now them making the postseason, again, I just outlined how I don't have any expectations for these guys, is I would honestly put it as probable. All they need to do is win one game. And the evidence I have to back that up is, one, 14 and 16 almost always gets in. Did you, I don't know if you heard today, did you enjoy the announcer saying that you know, if you can just get to 13 and 17, that's the magic number. LSU did it last year. And I was like, well, it's pulmonary's last they year. They were LSU. Yeah, they were LSU. Like, come on, guys. I know you're LSU announcers, but, like, that's so, – 13 and 17 is not a magic number. But I will say at 14 and 16, if Ole Miss wins one more game, their RPI is already 38. I feel like one more win and they are still fine. Um, all right, so here's, my, here's my question to you. It, it, if they win one more game, I think they get in. I do. I, I, I think if you said, hey, they go one and three to finish, right? Like they go one and two and lose in Hoover on Tuesday, do, do they get in? If I had to bet, yes. Um, here's where I'll push back a little. They're, they're 38 in RPI. Let's give them a win on Thursday. That puts them at 36, right? They lose three straight. It's probably going to be 42, 43 RPI. That's a little bubbly. I don't, I don't think you feel great on Monday. Um, do I think they get in? Yeah, I do. But it's still not, you know, uh, the most comfortable feeling in the world. Now, if they win two, this is over. Like, you don't – there's no conversation to be had. Um, and then three, obviously, you're playing for a lot more when you go to Hoover. Um, but but I guess I guess where I'm a little different view is I don't think one is 100%. I think one is probably 65% if they get in. That's probably fair. Um, and look, th- again, there's no certainties with any of this. I think that's probably, that's definitely, that's probably the more level-headed way to look at it. I, I say that. I don't think they're necessarily guaranteed in. I just look at their RPI making the jump that it did in the past week. And now granted, that helps when you beat a top 14 team and whatever LSU was ranked three times, right? Um, but I just, I, I don't know. I guess I thought my, my mindset was they're going to, like, if they take two, they can get it in the low 40s. And I guess just seeing that at 38, it's like, oh, they're probably in pretty decent shape. I think they probably get in with one more win. But I think you articulated that and kind of outlined all of that pretty well. Um, you want to talk about this Arkansas State game? They got to cancel it. 
So I saw an article today that a couple cases in London of monkeypox is breaking out. Do you know what monkeypox mm-hmm. is? I don't know, but I bet somebody in Jonesboro, Arkansas has it. It's a cousin of the smallpox disease. And mm-hmm. we eradicated that a while back. I don't know if you ever played Oregon Trail, but uh, smallpox was a big deal. You were probably going to die back then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we got vaccines and stuff, which eradicated that, which shout out to doctors and modern medicine and whomever else had a hand in that. Monkeypox mm-hmm. is, like you know, hot seat, cool throne. Monkeypox is, 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 is on the rise. Could you paint a couple bumps on the back of, say, Drew McDaniel. Oh, we don't have our starter. He's got monkeypox. We need to text. We need to, you know, test the rest of this team. We we can't go to Jonesboro. This kid has monkeypox. Like we might have to leave him behind. Oh, that's a good point. You're trying to get to Oregon. Like you know, Jonesboro, Arkansas is still two thousand miles away from the end of the Oregon Trail. We need to leave him behind. They don't need to play this game. <laughs> I don't know what no. needs to happen. Arkansas State, as we sit here, is. I always do this. I had a tab open. We're 228 in the RPI. They actually moved up one spot. Congrats to the Red Wolves. Um, th- this is going to hurt them if they win it. Um, okay. All right. So, I actually talked to Chase about this yesterday. It, it actually will hurt them if they win just because it's on the road. Um, oh, I didn't think about that. Someone made that point under his column and I, that he wrote today, or maybe it was just a tweet. I didn't think about that, the road part. Good point. Sorry to continue. It'll be okay if they win because it's on the road it'll cost them if you look at warren nolan it'll cost them about one or two rpi points which isn't much and doesn't really matter if they lose it's it's catastrophe like literally they will lose all the progress they made this weekend um now don't one don't lose the freaking baseball game arkansas state is terrible just they're 11 and 35 5 and 21 in the Sun Belt. they're horrific um but two like don't play it because baseball is stupid. And I get it. Hey, you made a commitment, all that bull crap. But my question to you would become, when, when over the last 20 years has college sports been about virtue and morality and commitment and all that crap? Um, and I shouldn't say crap, but all that stuff. Like, it's, it's college athletics, man. They're, they're, we're not exactly um, dealing with a bunch of morality and, and, and you know, all that, all that stuff. It's just – I get it. It's a commitment you made and all that, but you. But if Arkansas State agrees to take thirty thousand dollars to uh, to not play the game, then you fulfilled your commitment. I'm not saying you just show don't show up to the game and screw Arkansas State. No, you you, you should come to some sort of monetary agreement with them or offer them two home games next year or whatever the hell you got to do um, when you're not in this situation. But look, it's it's if the committee is going to take this take RPIs serious as they do, and that's fine. Um, this is just not a baseball game you can you can play. It's just it's bad scheduling, frankly, by Ole Miss that this game is on the schedule at this point in the year. But this happens um, every said, year. Yes, <laughs> but usually when this happens, right? Like last year, I believe Ole Miss lost the game last year. But Ole Miss, at the end of the day, usually going into this game needs is either hosting or they need the win, right? Like because in 2015 they needed to go win this game. Um, usually Ole Miss is not in the situation that they are currently in where they're having to talk about their RPI as far as getting into the tournament. Um, this year they are, and you need to go cancel the game. And quite frankly, look, I don't have any insight on this. Um, you might, but I don't believe Chase writes that article if that hasn't been discussed at least. Um, 
Hmm. I don't know that. I have no idea, but I, I just I feel like there's at least had to have been a conversation about it. So last year it wasn't this game. They lost to UT Martin at home. That's right. So not In the, the Skyhawks. They were not helping the Rebels RPI either way. Um I think you're probably right. I haven't actually talked to Chase about this. We're not gonna start breaking news on this podcast, but yeah. Maybe, but man, I don't know. Do, do you just see Mike Bianco trying to find a way out of that? Just Mike Bianco. It's up to him because at the end of the day, we know who it's up to, right? It's up to him. Sure. Do you, do you see him um, a way out of it? I think I agree with you. I think they should. And let's just bring this into a larger. Actually, Mike Bianco. Do you think he gets out of it? Do you think they load up the buses and go to Jonesboro? I mean, yes. Bad to back. Yes. Um, but I'm not putting money on it. I'm not putting a lot of money on it. Um, look, I <clears throat> I get it. It's not the most moral thing to do, and it's not maybe the most ethical thing to do. I understand that, and, and I get you honor your commitments. But, man, it just just feels like, you know, hey, okay. if you call Arkansas – I don't feel like Arkansas State – maybe I'm crazy here. <clears throat> this is not a team that's competing to make the tournament. I don't feel like if you call Arkansas State and offer them $20,000 or whatever the hell you got to offer them, uh, to not play the game, Arkansas State's going to be like, no, by God, we have to play this game. Well, why? So I, I don't really think you're pissing Arkansas State off too much by asking them not to play. Maybe I'm wrong on that. No, you're not. They're 11 and 35. And look, this is going to draw a, probably a lot of reaction based on either side because normally with stuff like this, there's very little nuance. This happens all the time. Texas, it became, this has become a hot t- button topic of discussion in the college baseball world because honestly to i thought to jim sloshnagel's everlasting credit he canceled that game yep. with who did he cancel it with us like incarnate word that's what i was about to say corpus christi you're right it was incarnate word and when he was asked about it I mean, he didn't make any bones about it he didn't say yeah we have the canadian flu or <laughs> our bus broke down or we got a bunch of kids that can't pass finals we really really need them to hunker down this week he just said yeah he was he was to his credit, he was trying to make a larger point of like if we're so obsessed with RPI, which is a flawed metric in its own right, I think you would agree with that, wouldn't you? Sure. Is if he's like, if we're gonna be obsessed with this, we're just not gonna do anything that doesn't benefit our RPI. If this is the sole metric, then we're not gonna go do something that hurts our RPI win or lose. And I kind of respected that. He caught some blowback, but I guess I say all of that to say us talking about this, there's going to be some people that say the game's on the schedule, you just play it. Well, guess what, pal? Sure. Not how it works. No, teams have done this in the past. It just hasn't made news. Like, you buy them out of their contract. I don't know what Ole Miss is paying, if anything, for the Arkansas State thing. Did they come to Oxford this year? They did. I've already forgotten this game. But Ole Miss, that, that, that's, a, that's a financially beneficial situation for Arkansas State, is it not, without knowing the nuances of it? Yeah, no, absolutely. So you just pay them whatever it is. What what is it? They're eleven and thirty five. What is the sweat on them? And look, the con the the devil's advocate of that is don't lose to eleven and thirty five Arkansas State. Well, yeah, it's college baseball. We just talked that we just spent an hour and a half talking about the weirdness of the season and the weirdness and the things that can happen. Why risk having a terrible day? Um, and look, I know that's from a competitive standpoint, that's kind of an anti competitive mindset. But man, if you got to do what's smart, you got to do what's smart. If it's not going to help you to win the game. It's going to be catastrophic to lose it. I, I really don't have any problem with this. And maybe I'm just one of those millennials that doesn't get it and doesn't understand the concepts 
sure. hard work or whatever people want to throw at, at it. But like, you're not screwing Arkansas State. You were talking about honoring the commitment. What commitment? Just give them whatever money they're owed and they don't have to play this and you don't either. I don't understand who's at the loss here. Arkansas State is not fighting for a spot in the NCAA tournament. They're 11 and 35. No, if they were fighting for a spot in the NCAA tournament, Ole Miss would just go play the game. Yeah. So um, here's my only here's my only devil's advocate. Right? Does the NCAA committee look at Ole Miss in two weeks and be like, "Should have played that game. We're gonna screw you." And I, I would uh, I would get that answer before I made something official. I'll be honest. If I'm Mike, that thought would worry me that the NCAA committee looked at us and were like, hey, screw you on that. Um, when – and I get it. Baseball's weird and anything could happen. When I could just go to Jonesboro, Arkansas, and if my team doesn't play like crap, I'm going to win the game by nine runs. Um, but if I am Mike, I, I, I call Arkansas State, and if they're cool with me writing them or whatever, I keep saying 30000 I don't know. Or it could be five thousand. It could be five hundred. I don't know. Um, I'm, I mean, five hundred dollars. Obviously, not five hundred thousand. But if they're cool with the game not being played, then I don't play the game. Quite frankly, this game is dumb because you have to play on Thursday this week all the time. Yeah, that's another um, aspect of it. Yeah, just just don't play it. And look, I get it. You you've scheduled it and you've made the commitment. But if Arkansas State is good with breaking the commitment, then who cares? Um, but, you know, hey, if Arkansas State wants to play the game, then you've got to get into a different conversation. So, um, at the end of the day, do I expect the game to be played? Yeah, I do. I expect Ole Miss to get on the bus on Tuesday and go. But I do think it's a relevant conversation. Oh, I think that that's where I land, too. I think they end up going and playing. And, look, it, it should not be a problem if Ole Miss is playing the way they do. And, honest to God, is there any, is there any sort of um, – value in the fact that look my team's playing good and what message does it send to my team to say hey we don't want to go to play this now look i don't think that's fair now i don't think that would cause any sort of i don't think tim elko or anyone in the locker room would be like this guy doesn't believe in us he won't let us go to oh let's be real don't get me wrong like i'm not don't 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 misconstrue what i'm saying but your team is rolling you're playing really good baseball is there just anything to the fact that it's like all right let's just go let them beat the hell out of them for you know three hours on a tuesday and just kind of not screw with the rhythm, I guess, if that makes sense. Like, is there anything to the fact that you go play it because your team's clicking on all cylinders? You don't want to give sure. an indication that you don't buy into the fact they can't win a game against yeah, 11 yes. 35 opponent. Yes. Yeah. You, you. Yeah. I mean, because what you're saying when you cancel the game is, hey, we could lose this. Well, I don't currently think it's as things stand, Ole Miss can lose that baseball game. Maybe I'm crazy. Um, Drew McDaniel's actually been pretty good the last two times. I think he would dominate. Um. <clears throat> I think here's the here's the question, right? I think Ole Miss gets a little bit of benefit because it's on the road, um, because I don't think a win's going to hurt you near at all. Um, if this were at home, and this game was going to cost you seventeen, eighteen RPI points or whatever, Flood the then field. I think well, it's a do what? Yeah, then, the then somebody needs to get a rain delay or something. Um. But I think it being on the road makes it probably okay that you go play the baseball game. I and mean, look, if you go to Jonesboro, Arkansas, let me be very clear on something. If Ole Miss goes to Jonesboro, Arkansas on Tuesday and they lose, you know whose fault it is? It's theirs. Don't don't lose. Um, so I, I don't know. I I'm not I if it were I, I would cancel the game. It's not me, but I'm not going to be upset if they play this baseball game. Um, just because, I mean, 
whatever. Go, go You've done it this game for 20 years now. Just go win the game. Yep, that's exactly where I stand, too. And I think they end up going and playing. And I don't think it becomes a problem. Like you said, Drew McDaniel's been good. The offense is playing pretty well. Again, it should not be a problem. But it's the it's the fact that, like, the – I don't know. It's the sitting on your – like, I don't – it's the pressure that comes with it, right? Like, the, when you have one of these where, like, hey, you can't lose. It's like, what do you mean you can't lose? Like, we're in Jonesboro, Arkansas on a Tuesday in May. Like, what? What? why am I in a must-win scenario now that we don't have to be in type of thing? That's the aspect of it that would lead you to want to, like, just avoid the situation at all costs. But I think they probably end up going, and I think they end up probably playing it. We probably spent too much time – on a meaningless mid, I say meaningless. We probably spent too much time on a midweek game that Ole Miss should win. It's definitely not meaningless. Let's kind of spin this forward a bit because this team is now absolutely as relevant in the postseason conversation as they could possibly be. They face an A and M team that is absolutely red hot in their own right. How do you kind of view these next couple of? these next couple games, like how do you view next weekend as when we can get into this a little bit more, I'm sure we'll do a midweek thing, but like the way this team's positioned themselves, I think one more win gets them in. They probably want to have two to be safe. And then if you get the third, you're talking about a whole different conversation. Is that kind of how you view it as well? How do you kind of view the next, next, next weekend series? You mean just from an NCAA tournament perspective? Yeah, because I got to the point this – I'll put it to you this way. I'll try to frame that in a better question. I got it to you this way where I was like, if Ole Miss wins today, if they win the Friday night game, what else are they playing for besides a sweep? But I feel like there's some nuance in between, which you kind of hit at earlier. Yeah, I mean, you, you win too. And I, I think, look, I think if you want to feel 100% safe, <clears throat> and we're going to just assume Ole Miss wins on Tuesday night because they don't win on Tuesday night. I, I'm just going to jump off a bridge. Um, if that, there's four SEC games remaining, if you want to feel 100% safe on getting into the tournament, you need to win two. Um, if you want to feel decent, you need to win one. And if you want to throw up on Monday morning, win zero. Um, but I, it's weird because, like, if you win one and if you win on Friday – and you went on Saturday and you lose on Sunday, right? You go to Hoover with literally nothing to play for because 15 and 15 has never hosted and I doubt ever will. Yeah, that's what uh, I was getting at. That's a good – yeah. Yes. Continue. But you know what's going to happen, and, and we'll talk about this next week. If Ole Miss goes over there 15 and 15, I know who's throwing on Tuesday because they take the SEC tournament seriously for better or for worse. Um and it'll be a loose show on Tuesday. I, I, I tell proven otherwise, he has not thrown his ace in game one of the SEC tournament one time, and it was because they got rained out in 15, and the game was literally meaningless. Um, other than that, he has thrown his ace every single time, and I expect Dylan Volusia would take the ball on that Tuesday. Um, that being said, you know, if you only win one, uh, you'd certainly give him the ball there. It's, it's, it's kind of interesting just because the, the numbers and what they certainly mean to the committee. It really is. I'm kind of fascinated to see how it plays out. Honestly, I would just kind of prefer them sweep it and us actually have something really incredible to talk about. Can you, dude, can you imagine if they do sweep that and then all of a sudden you get to Delusia and then you get Hunter Elliott and all of a sudden you're like a Derek Diamond start away from hosting? How about that? Oh, my God. No, you know where this goes, right? Like, like if they did sweep, 
Lucia would win on Tuesday, right? So that's what, 16, 7, that's 18. You need two more. They would, they would throw Drew McDaniel on Wednesday because uh, that's, that's actually what they did last, the last two times, I believe. Uh, no, excuse me, in 19. 19, they, they did held, Doug in game two. Yeah, they, they actually held uh, Doug and threw Zach Phillips in 19 because he was a freshman. I think they would do that with Elliott to try to get him the full rest. They would lose that game throwing Drew McDaniel. Then Elliott would win on Thursday, right? That's 19 wins. And then Derek Diamond would take the ball against, like, Arkansas. Or Vanderbilt. Remember that one last year at Vanderbilt? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Mike Myers took it against uh, Jack Leiter. Derek Diamond would take the ball against Arkansas, and we would just all be on pins and needles for an hour because if you know that if they win and got to 20, they would probably host. Now, am I projecting that? I'm not. If I'm projecting right now, <clears throat> I think Ole Miss wins two this week and, and, and goes to Hoover with literally nothing to play for. Yeah, you're exactly right. I'm I'm with you on that one as well because I don't I don't want to discount a And M. They're playing really good baseball. And we'll get to that here in just a sure. second when we get around the SEC, right? Like I don't want to think, oh, Miss is going to win three. It's just kind of a fun conversation to have because of I mean, who the hell thought they'd be in this spot? The Ole Miss is now one game under 500 in SEC play. They were seven and 14 nine days ago. I know I keep saying that, but. Dude, we, we did the Sunday podcast after Arkansas. I don't know. All this just kind of blows my mind. And maybe this is probably something I'll look back on in 10 years if I'm still doing any sort of semblance of this and think, eh, you know, don't count. Like, don't, don't, be, don't be young and think you know everything and have to do absolutes every week. Just kind of be able, to throw, uh, be able to throw your hands up and just say, I don't know more often and be more reluctant to kind of admit what you don't know. This whole thing just kind of blows my mind. I mean, in terms of I, – I, did I pose this question to you earlier? Regular season-wise, is this the weirdest regular season you can remember? Yeah. I mean, 19 was weird, but it wasn't this weird. It so, was yeah. not quite this level. It, it, there's no – I mean, I remember that one vividly. It wasn't at this level. I mean, yes, them getting no, out of the and doing the all-powder blue things. And, and, and what was so weird about – remember that 19 – uh, that 19 year where they get in that slug fest against Vanderbilt and Austin Miller's throwing out of his mind for like two innings of relief. And for whatever reason, it had been framed that they had to win that to host. Otherwise this was meaningless. And then all of a sudden they lose the game. I have this column written and then Kendall and Aaron's last projections has Ole Miss hosting as like a 13 seed and and they Spoiler alert, Kendall and Aaron's last projections are based on what the committee tells them. It's not some guess. Yeah, they're, it, it's, yeah, like, that's my favorite thing about Kendall and Aaron. They literally know the top 16 and top eight. I don't think from following them, I don't think they know the at-large teams, but they know they may not have the order right, but they have the top 16 and top eight every single time, it feels like. And, you know, they announced the top 16 on Sunday nights. And so I come back up from the press conference, and I was like, well, I'll never forget this. I sat on my hands for like 20 minutes because the announcements of the host sites were coming. And then they host – and then it was like, oh, Miss is a host site. So I was like, well, I'll delete this 1,100 words and start over. And I was there till like <laughs> 9.30 at night because everything I'd written about their valued effort coming just short but don't discount them on the road was completely meaningless. I say all of that. To I don't even where was I going with that I don't even remember I was just getting the fact that like this has been such a weird regular season this has been such a weird regular season is is there any I'll go hot take on you if they do just get insanely hot and roll through this weekend with three games and sweep and they're now a host 
is there – can I go hot take on you? The fact that they're in a road regional, would that set them up with a more favorable super? Boom. I did it. Yeah, I actually thought about that. I asked a buddy today, um, would you rather host the 16 national seed or go to Southern Miss, who's the 13 national seed? And my answer is I'd rather go to Southern Miss um, because, quite frankly, here, here, here's my hot, hot take. I'll say this right now. Ole Miss gets in a regional, and I think they are. I think they win the regional. Oh, so give you're me going the best that far. Regional. I like that. I just, I think this team has. No, look, they, I didn't. I didn't say they were getting in a regional. I, I think they are, um, and I'm predict, predicting that they are. Um, I'm still giving myself the leeway that they screw this weekend up, and screw the SEC tournament up. But if they do, if they get in and get a fresh breath of air. Um, with what they have in Duluth or what they have in Elliott, outside of Oregon State, if they don't go to Oregon State, I think they win a regional. I think this team finds itself in a super regional. Let's um, do. I, I think they're good enough. I think they're a top ten team in the country when they play well, and they are playing well right now. I think this team wins a regional if they get in and outside of going to Corvallis, Oregon. What do you think it says about this team that they're in this position? I know that's a like um, TV question, but man, remember we like we connect, we kind of questioned their fight, and then it became no, it's not their fight. Well, it's not their fight as much as they're just a bad baseball team. But the fact that they're here, and I mean, it, it appears that the new powder blue thing is the camo cap, right? That there, there's no extending yeah. military appreciation part of that. This is now a superstition. Is that correct? Yeah, what what it says is that you've got senior, you've got guys like Tim Elko, and give a lot of credit to Ben Van Cleve that I don't I was really play. Yeah. Give him a ton of credit, by the way. Um, you got dudes that weren't ready to give up, and and here's the thing, right? Even when they were struggling, I think Mike said this today. Even when they were struggling, they would they would have games where they swung it well or they would have games where they pitched it well. It wasn't always just like one glaring weakness, right? Um, and they finally just put it together. And and credit to them. You've got dudes on this team that are – and we questioned this at the beginning of the year, and, and, and we got proven – I don't know if wrong's the right word, but our theory of they're not tough or they don't care, they're not playing hard, wasn't right. Um, but I got dudes that are, that are going to fight to the end, and, and credit to them. They, they, they've got cats that are going to fight to the end, and they've given themselves every opportunity to go to the NCAA tournament. And we've said this for two weeks now, and I believe it. If they get into the NCAA tournament, you don't want them in your regional because I think they're going to be a nightmare. They remind me some of the NC State team last year that probably underachieved a little bit in the regular season. Then all of a sudden you look up, they're in the Ruston regional. They go 3-0, and and then you find yourself in the Super Regional. If you're Ole Miss, you hope it goes the same way that NC State's did, that you win the Super Regional. Um, but, but I, I do, I, I do believe the reason they're in this situation because you got guys like Elko and Graham and Dunhurst and Ben Cleve that are, they're not, by God, they're going to fight to the end, um, and credit to them for doing so. And it can't be underestimated. I know we glossed over this earlier, but it seems like the reinsertion of Kevin Graham into the lineup has really given them a shot of life. I don't know if that's just strictly from a production perspective or a confidence but it took it felt like it took him about three weeks to kind of look like himself. But I don't really know how to describe it other than the fact that like now that he's in there, when you go through one through seven in this lineup now, it looks a whole lot more daunting, if that makes any sense at all. And I know it's one guy and I know he's really productive, but like 
I don't know. It felt like when they were really struggling, it was okay. Can bench get on and can Gonzalez or Elko kind of find a put one over the fence and they get a, like a two runs or whatever, or kind of bring them around and can they get a run with the top of the lineup? Because once it goes past Alderman, now, you know, you pretty much just have an inning and a half of crap. And now that the fact that they have Kevin Graham, that's kind of bumped everyone down a spot and the bottom of the order is hitting. It just feels like Kevin Graham's reinsertion of the lineup barring the, you know, we talked about all the un- intangible parts of it, him just being there and being a productive sec hitter and looking more like himself now has worked wonders for this group. Yeah, no, I mean, Kevin Graham's really good. Extends the lineup for sure. Um, look, he's an All-American and he's playing like one. And and credit to him for doing so. It's Look, when this team's right, they're a lot of fun to watch. And and they were a lot of fun to watch this weekend. If you're an Ole Miss fan, you just kind of hope that extends into one more weekend and, and they have themselves ready to go for the NCAA tournament that, that it looks like they're going to make at this point. The other part of that, too, I just want to get to the final pitching part of it before we get to the SEC and get out of here. The fact that they've solidified the rotation, I'm, I'm just looking at it from the perspective of, like, how has this happened and why are they now kind of clicking? The fact that they've solidified Dilution, they've solidified Elliott, doesn't the bullpen make more sense now? There was a time where if someone came out of the bullpen, it literally could have been anyone outside of, I don't know, Cole Baker, and I would have been like, yeah, that makes sense, I guess. Like, why not throw something in the wall and see, think, see if it sure. sticks? Now doesn't it feel like it's – you're going to get a good outing from Delucia. You're probably going to get a pretty good one from Elliott. And so the first two games, it's kind of like, okay, Doherty. So he, Mike loves doing that thing now where you can – can he get like a couple outs from Gaddis or a couple innings from Gaddis and then like Washburn in the middle? Like can you put some combination of that to get it straight to Johnson so you don't have to burn Doherty? Doherty didn't pitch this weekend, did he? That's what I was going to ask you. What do you make of Washburn coming in in that situation instead of a fresh Doherty? I don't know. I don't know what to make of it, to be completely honest. Say some of it may be matchup-based, but I really don't know what to make of it. Um, maybe when he got in, he wasn't supposed to go as long as he did, but the fact that there was no Doherty, I don't, I don't really know what to make of that. There's no health issues with Doherty unless I've missed something over the last couple of weeks. No, not to my knowledge. I, I- I don't know. It probably didn't hurt him to, to have a weekend off. He's thrown a lot of big, uh, st- high stress inning. <coughs> um, no, but but that aside, um, like the bullpen makes more sense now. You kind of know exactly what you're getting, and it all makes sense and it fits, which is a hell of a lot better than having eight guys to where it's like, hopefully this works. Yeah, and no, John Gaddis has been good, and 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 Jack Washburn has been good in his two outings since coming back from injury. Um. You know, so yeah, it, it feels like they solidified some roles in the bullpen, and you kind of know who's coming in and what situation now, um, which is good. That's a good thing. They they've got some guys back there that they think can help them. And um, look, it's not a, an overly um, deep bullpen, but it is one that, that certainly um, can help them in the postseason for sure. I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, bring up two things before we got to the SEC part of it. What I the the Derek Diamond thing. I don't want to lost him in the postseason, but what 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 can you explain that? I don't understand it. He's got a five twenty OPS the first time through. He doesn't give up runs the first time through, and he gets he has an eleven hundred OPS against um, the second time through. At some point, the numbers don't lie. I mean, it is what it is. It's 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 infuriating. Look, I think quite frankly, um, and and I'll catch some heat for this, and that's fine. Mike Bianco deserves a lot of credit for the last two weekends, and his kids not quitting. Um, this is he also, 
he deserves a good bit of criticism for this diamond thing. This is getting ridiculous that that he is really good the first time through and he's really bad the second time through. And it it is consistent every freaking weekend. It's consistent. It never falls off. And at some point, like you have to look at the numbers and say, hey, we can get us eight outs start Saturday and then we got to go to somebody else. Take your eight outs and go home. It's like the guy that's offering you $50 at the roulette table. Like, no, just take your $50 and go home. Don't try to play for 5000 buddy. Um, you're not getting it. Just, just take your seven or eight or nine outs and, and go to the house and, and call it a day um, because the numbers are what they are at this point. It's, it's, getting, it's getting comical that they continue to leave this kid out there, and it's not fair to him, frankly. It's not, and they're lucky that the offense has performed better because I think back to a time where they weren't performing better where he allowed them to give up the lead twice against Arkansas. Now, was that Arkansas going to game in that Sunday game, going to end 2-1 or 3-2 or whatever it was? I can't remember when Diamond gave up the leads. No, that's far from a guarantee, but at least give yourself a shot because you're right, it is a complete certainty. I mean, hell, the leadoff hitter hit the two-run home run into the seats. Yes. In the third inning, with this yes. it is almost impressively consistent, right? There's almost no relation yes. to it. Like, there's no human element. It is almost like robotically consistent that that is what is going to happen the second time through the order. But by God, he's staying out there. Yeah, it's ridiculous. You've got to get him out at this point. It, but the fact that they just continue to ignore the numbers the second time through is maddening. But Mike probably looks at it from the standpoint of like, hey, he gave up three runs. He gave us five innings. It's like, yeah, well, man, you were up 3-2, and then it became 3-3. Three, three. So, anyway, the last well, thing – The had problem to get, is you, yeah, go you ahead. knew he was going to give up the three. You know, you that's knew he was giving up the three. Because, yeah, that's, that's what he was going to do. Like, you could have tried something else and not known they were going to give up the three. Last thing, they got a couple – was this the first or the second inning where they had a couple guys on base? He bunted Jacob Gonzalez. Should that, should that have been the greatest indicator of how important this game was? Mike needed a cigarette. I, had a, um, I know this has made well waves now. I had a podcast listener. I can't remember if he tagged you. Um, said something about the bunt and then said hashtag Marlboro. <laughs> is it possible – I'm going to suggest something. Is it possible Gonzalez was bunting against the shift? I don't even know if to call that a reach, but I don't know. Surely, don't... surely that wasn't called, right? Man, it we're, looked like we're a sack bunting bunt. Gonzo. We got we got an issue. It looked like a sack bunt. Oh, yeah, it did. You're right, but Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, no. Look, they wanted to take the lead. Maybe, and I'll say this: I can't, I can't speak out of both sides of my mouth. Um, I said it was really, really important that they scored the, the two runs on Monday. Maybe Mike, to his everlasting credit, thought the same thing um, and said, hey, I need to get this LSU team down early, and that's the best way to do it. And, and if he thought that, um, I don't necessarily hate it. You, you don't let them – because, I, again, I've been – as an Ole Miss fan, I've been in those, those situations where it's like you just can't catch your breath and, and keep the game tied and let your offense go swing it. Um, and maybe Mike was kind of thinking along the same lines and, and decided, hey, I need to get, get up on them real quick and, and kind of make them feel a little bit of pressure. And if he was, um, maybe, you know, while I may not have done the same thing, I, I don't necessarily hate it. Good on him. Look at this podcast coming full circle. It's you justifying Mike Bianco's sack bunning. It's just – this is beautiful how all this has come to be. <laughs> Let's get to the SEC. <laughs> let's get to uh, around the SEC and let's get out of here. 
boy, what a weekend. Um, I don't feel like we necessarily – I won't say we learned a ton, but there's some teams that are – one, there are a couple of teams I feel like we learned waved the white flag and a couple of teams that are absolutely uh, absolutely trying to fight for their everlasting life to get a, get a shot at this NCAA tournament deal and get a bit into this thing. Um, why don't we just start off – let's not bury the lead here. Uh, Mississippi State goes to College Station and gets swept. There is a now better than good chance that the Mississippi State Bulldogs – after leaving Oxford, Mississippi, go nine and uh, with a series win, I believe they were eight and ten. After that, if, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, there is a better shot than not that they go nine and twenty-one. They were swept. Oh, that would be a and M. That's a shame. Um, Ooh, buddy. Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. Hate that for them. I mean, they were. They stink. They're 25 and 27. And not to bring this back to an old Miss part of it, but I did – I would be remiss. I do this every podcast. It did not have to be this way. We talk about Ole Miss and, like, can they get three and have the ridiculous kind of outlier sweeping conversation. I mean, can you just win a series against a 10 and 17 South Carolina team or 12 and 15 South Carolina team or just win another game against now 9 and 18 state or not get swept by now not 10 and 16 Alabama? Like – you look at these standings and it'll probably infuriate Ole Miss fans to some degree to where it's like, it really didn't have to be this way. Cause a couple of teams they lost to in this stretch were really, really bad. And not to get on, not to, yep. to completely sour the notion, but you remember us talking about how like the first half of their schedule was favorable and, you know, buckle up because it gets worse in the second half. Really? Yeah, never not really. That worse. It was just a whole lot of average. Yep. Yeah, no, the state series in the Alabama one will be the one that they look back on when they think about going one and five against those two teams. Um, I mean, quite frankly, they're what, uh, six and three against the top three teams in the West? Um, three of the top four. So I don't know. Yeah, it's this, this season's wild. Let's just put it that way. No, state stinks. Um, they're not good. Um, they are not as bad as their record. And I don't, I'm not saying that to blame Lamonis or anything. Lamonis is a good coach. I just, they've, they've caught some bad breaks. Um, but you know, I, I I'm not going to fret over them not being in Hoover or the postseason because quite frankly, if that team got into the postseason, they would figure out a way to win the Tennessee regional and win a super regional against like Oregon state or something. And I would want to hurt myself when they were in the college world series. So them just missing the postseason is best for me. Sounds like we had a rainout today. Is oh, actually, I don't want to say on a and They're seventeen and ten with the tiebreaker over Arkansas. Yeah, yeah, um, tied for the West lead right now for sure. Auburn now fifteen and eleven. It sounds like we had a rainout today. Uh, they took the first two against a free falling Alabama. Um, I guess that got rained out today. I don't really know what happened. It sounds like the weather's getting bad. It did. Um, Auburn was tied at one to one in the fifth and had guys on. It kind of sucks for Auburn, if I remember right. Um, they were a base hit away from taking the lead, and then the game would have been considered official. But it uh, didn't happen. The rain came. They were never able to start the game back, and, and uh, Auburn just gets out of there with two wins instead of three. Ooh. Auburn uh, – Alabama is now, I think, three and ten in their last 13 SEC games after having being in really good position to not only have an outside chance at a at-large bid, but they entered that South Carolina series, really that Georgia series as well, with like can they might 
flirt their way into hosting. I didn't think it would happen, but man, talk about all free fall. Auburn in pretty good shape. The fact that Butch is going to host is pretty impressive with that group. They hit the portal hard, and man, it worked. They have a they're a good baseball team. Um, the fact yeah, that almost beat them and LSU and can't beat South Carolina, Mississippi State doesn't make a ton of sense. That's neither here nor there. Um, we 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 talked about the Ole Miss side of it. Just to I have this series in front of us now. LSU is not very good. I don't think they were as good as fourteen and ten, nor close to it. No, 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 no. No, no, they were not as good as their record. So, um, but no, it's, I mean, still a lot of credit to Ole Miss for winning that series. But uh, no, LSU is going to be a two seat on the road at this point. Uh, yeah, they're, they're now one RPI slot in front of Ole Miss. Arkansas takes two of, or excuse me, loses two or three at home for Vanderbilt. That's a big series win for Vanderbilt. That felt like they're getting on the right track. Yeah. I think Arkansas yeah. kind of figuring out they're 17 to 10. Am I weird for saying they're not that good? Well, they're in danger of not hosting, which is crazy because they have like a 29 RPI. So, um, no, I don't think Arkansas is that great. Maybe I'm crazy too. But a I 17 don't, and 10 Ar- record going the last week too. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think they're that great of a baseball team, if I'm honest. Um, where else are we going? Tennessee, 22 and 5. What did they take? Two of three from whom? Georgia, and they didn't really care about game three. They had already won the SEC. That is true. 22 and 5 will absolutely get you a win in that. Uh, Kentucky, 10 and 17, valiant effort, but they lose two or three at South Carolina. They will probably make Hoover, so congrats to them. And South Carolina, hey, you win two games next week. You might get in the NCAA tournament. Who knows? Maybe. Um, yeah, They're running into a no, touchdown with Florida, though. Yeah, Florida's playing well, and, and they need the win. So, I would I would certainly lean that uh, Florida wins unless karma gets involved. Um, and then Florida goes and sweeps Missouri on the road. Credit to Florida. They've now won. No, one, two. One, one, two. One, two. Oh, you're exactly yeah. right. Missouri got that last one. Sorry, I jumped the shark on that because they entered the state series eight and thirteen. Hey, Florida's thirteen and fourteen, and they're getting in the tournament now. You know, I don't know if they sweep South Carolina. What's their RPI? So that would get them at sixteen and fourteen. It's good. It's good. Yeah, no, they would certainly be like kind of in the same position Ole Miss is. If they they swept, they would certainly be even in better position than Ole Miss to host. They're uh, playing pretty good baseball at the right time. I think that was everybody that we hit. I don't think we that is. Series. So, anyway, well, what a position to be in, man. It, it's, it's, <laughs> I can't believe we're still having this uh, Sunday conversation as far as Ole Miss baseball, but the Rebels 13 and 14 with everything to play for. We will, uh, I appreciate the time as always, my man. We'll catch up in the, uh, in the midweek. And uh, Ole Miss has a huge series starting Thursday through Saturday. So, it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, sounds good, my man. All right, that is our show. If you made it to the end, I really appreciate you making us a part of your day. It's been fun talking baseball with Colin, fun having something to talk about, interesting, rather than Groundhog Day over and over again. So happy we can got to continue to do these and Ole Miss is, uh, that Ole Miss is back, I guess, relevant again. They're a fascinating bunch. Um, I'm not sure how good they are, but they are certainly fascinating. We'll be back more with uh, A&M Preview, a couple different things this week with the podcast. Thank you guys for listening, as always, and we'll catch you a little later on in the week. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. 
This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.